Hello, my podcast family, and welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. I'm excited today because if you recall, yesterday we ended um, the episode with John the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 6. Now we're going to pick up from that. We're going to piggyback off of yesterday's episode because if you recall when Jesus gave that little parable he actually was speaking to a crowd telling them about him being the door and then the shepherd going through the door and releasing the sheep but his disciples didn't understand and so after the crowd left they pulled him aside and was like uh hey Jesus can you kind of tell us what you what you were speaking about Now, I don't understand why Jesus chose to use that form of communication at that time as far as parables, because also in scripture, it says that he knew that some wouldn't would get it. Most would not. And sometimes his very own disciples, as we see now, didn't quite understand it, but he was okay with that. And I think the lesson in that for us is that we need to learn to be okay with people not always getting who we are, you know, which fits in to a need to fit in or to be understood. All of us want that, but we need to be also aware that it won't always happen and then to be okay with it, to be okay when people aren't supporting you in the way that you want them to, people not being okay with just who you're trying to be as a person or fill in the blank. Learn how to be okay with it. We're not going to be able to help everyone. We're not going to be able to heal everyone. We're not going to be able to feed everyone or mentor everyone. But all we can do is the best that we can do with what God has given us, right? So now let's get into today's scripture. It's coming from John 10th chapter, verses 7 through 10. So Jesus said to them, them being his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, honestly, show of hands unless you're driving how many of you are more familiar with the last verse the thief that cometh to kill steal and destroy than the rest of the verse i never knew that they were you know tied together (laughs) because most people just quote the last bit and then you hear that jesus you know came to give us life more abundantly but we need to look at the verse in totality and understand where it's coming from so Yesterday, we saw where Jesus spoke in a parable form. Today, he's, he's breaking it down to be more realistic so that his disciples could understand it. And then we see it take on another meaning, right? Jesus says he has a lot of symbols here. Once again, he talks about the door, sheep, and pastures. Now, we agreed in yesterday's episode that the door represented sin that Jesus had gained access to go through the door by paying the penalty of sin 
right? So now he has access to come in and out, right? We understood that a door is something that either keeps something in or out. But in this particular verse, and you can debate me if you choose, I don't think Jesus is saying that the door is there to keep them out or to keep other people from getting in. It's a door. So we have to kind of see what it is. And so Jesus now says that he is the door. So now that he has paid the penalty for sin, he is now the doorkeeper in a sense. He is the door. Note now he's not saying he's a shepherd, which I find interesting, but he is now the door. Let's get into what he talks about in verse 8. He says that there are many thieves and robbers. Now, do we have people today who proclaim to be the Messiah, the Christ? Yes. Do we have religions that have stated the, you know, Jesus was coming on the 26th of September 2016 or something like that? Yes. And they had people like that in his day. We don't have the names recorded, but that's who Jesus is referring to from a very realistic standpoint and speaking spiritually and metaphorically. He's talking about people coming in, proclaiming to be something that they're not, trying to manipulate people uh, so that they can gain and take advantage of them. And sometimes, unfortunately, people really believe in themselves that they are whoever they are, but we need to recognize that they're not. And I think that Jesus affirms that he is the Messiah because now he is the door. He's saying, I am the way to get to the green pastures, right? I am the way to get to that paradise. You have to come through me. And anyone who does not come through me, that is a false teacher. I think that you need to know someone or something so that you know not, you know what they are not. So the mere fact that the sheep did not listen to the thieves and the robbers is because they actually know who their shepherd is. The door of the sheep, so to speak, as Jesus uses in this, in this particular verse, versus shepherd. They know him and therefore they know what he is not. And I think that is a, a real nugget for us because you will be manipulated. You will be distracted and swayed to who knows what if you don't know who Christ is. In the Old Testament, there were clues as to what the Messiah would look like. Not his physicality, but just the signs of when he was coming, right? the characteristics of his birth. As recalled in Isaiah, he would be born to a virgin. He would be in Bethlehem. There would be a star. And these clues were so pronounced that remember the wise men used them in order to get to Herod to be like, hey, we're here to worship the newborn king because it has been foretold. So that they, the Israelites knew that a Messiah was coming. So if they knew this, then here's a question for us then why did the Pharisees, or or what excuse did the Pharisees have for dismissing Jesus? How could they dismiss it? And I think 
the nugget for us is that we need to be careful to recognize when we're placing our own expectations on someone or something that it isn't. Because once we do that, we lose the true focus of the individual or thing. And that's what I think happened with the Pharisees. They were so caught up in religion, the do's and the don'ts and the political atmosphere and wanting to be a free nation again, not realizing that they were in the mess that they were in because they were disobedient way back in Exodus, right from the very beginning with their ancestors. Anyway, they refused to see the virgin birth. They refused to see the signs of his miracles that were also predicted. And therefore they couldn't hear, they, they flat out couldn't hear and wouldn't accept the message that he was preaching and teaching. They couldn't, they couldn't receive it. They couldn't see the fact that he was the fulfillment of the law because of their false expectations and therefore, because they, and because of those false expectations, they could not see and hear the true God. They did not know the true God. And so therefore, they missed Jesus. They missed him. And so let us not be so consumed with what we want something to be or what we want someone to be to where we lose sight of who they really are, right? And when you lose sight of who they really are, then you end up getting swayed by something else. You don't see them, you won't hear them. Moving on, I think this is so good. Once again, Jesus mentors, mentions the relationship between he and the sheep. The sheep know him and they can't know him if they have unrealistic expectations, right? That will cloud their view of him. We won't recognize him. We won't be able to hear him. But they were, and that's because of their knowledge of him, that they were able to see that there were false prophets. Who can come to Jesus anyway, according to this? Does he make a statement? Right? If anyone, Jesus says, if anyone enters through the door, anyone enters through me anyone now in Matthew's gospel when you read his gospel he really makes the case that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah come for come for coming for Israel excuse me but we know that Jesus is also our Messiah our Savior that not only did Jesus come to save and re reconcile Israel, but he came to reconcile mankind altogether. So this statement validates that if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Anyone. Now, whereas anyone can come to Jesus, I want us to recognize that it is the coming to Jesus where there is the acknowledgement that he is the door, that he is the way through. He is the way to be saved. Once again, he's setting himself up as, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. That's what this statement is saying. His script, this scripture is saying. He's reaffirming that. But when we come to the door, there is a surrendering of oneself. Don't you think? We surrender when we come to Jesus to be let in. 
we don't come to him as in you know hey come banging on the door hey let me in because I'm here in front of you we, we come to the door because we know that that's the only way to get to the other side and we have a craving to get to the other side and so we surrender what it is that we need uh, not that we need that we have because we desperately want to be on the other side where there's green pastures do you see the difference you just can't come to Jesus demanding you have to come seeking I really want to be on the other side with you I find it interesting that Jesus says that once saved then they're free to go in and out isn't that interesting now what could that mean to me that means freedom that there's freedom in Christ not restriction not regulation but freedom in knowing that you are under the protection under the shepherd when I read that and I said they're free to come you know in and out I thought that's interesting I had never seen that before but there's freedom in coming to Christ don't you think Let's look at what Peter says in 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 16. Act as free people and do not use your freedom, uh uh-oh, as a covering for evil, but use it as bondservants of God. And then Paul in Galatians chapter 5, 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, there's that word again, brothers and sisters, Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Once again, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. But take care that this freedom of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. That's the coming in and going out. So now, based on yesterday's scripture... Did you think that, you know, the the sheep were behind the door and like they were being, you know, cloistered together and it was a bad place and, you know, they just needed to break out and be free? This, this, this explanation that Jesus gives to me paints another picture. Yes, there was sin that hindered us, but it hindered us from having the freedom of going back and forth, of, 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 having God's protection of being able to do what he has called us to do I think our freedom allows us to it 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 gives us the freedom to come and go so we can take Christ with us where we go so we can share our witness which is our life in Jesus Christ not the the religious rhetoric but just our, our witness is our lifestyle. Think of children who live in a loving environment. And I know not all of us grew up in that, but let's just think of a child living in a loving environment, knowing they are valued and that they're able to make mistakes. When you're able to make mistakes, you, you push yourself more. You allow yourself to do more because you understand that, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a mistake and maybe you'll fail at this or this won't work out. But you have the freedom of knowing that I can always go back to my parents and they're going to help me, help me readjust what I've done and then I go back and I try it again. 
We are the family of believers. And we come and go as God calls us with the freedom of knowing that when we mess up, because we will, we come back, you know, to Jesus, so to speak, so that he can tend to our scrapes and bumps. You know, Holy Spirit, you know, doctors us up again, says, and you probably should try it this way. You didn't quite hear me this last time. And then we go out and we try again. Jesus provides not only a way for us to access the Father, right? But the freedom to live in a world that is unfriendly. The freedom to make mistakes and the freedom that comes from knowing deep down in our hearts that we are loved. That is the abundant life that Christ came to give you and me. Unconditional love. And the freedom that goes with being loved that way. This season of caregiving is a time where you're going to have to muster all that is within you to provide a safe space for your loved one. The freedom, allow them the freedom to know that no matter how debilitating their disease may be or their nakedness during bath time or their need for assistance when toileting, that you're still going to be there for them. Give them that freedom of knowing that you love them so much that you're going to be with them until the end. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your understanding. Not our understanding, but your understanding that you reveal to us day by day. As we look at your word, and we look at your word, Father, because we want to know you. We want to be the sheep that when you call our names, we respond. That we know you in such a manner that no thief or robber will ever be able to dissuade us from that which you've called us to do or to be. We want to live in the freedom that you've provided for us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, to go here and there where you send us to we know we won't always be in green pastures but if we continue to put our trust in you the past the pastures get greener each time we know that you are not a stagnant god but you are a current god and that you don't cause us call us to be stagnant but you call us to go and so help us to relinquish any fear that we may have of the days that are to come. Fears of children going off to college, perhaps. Fears of a new marriage. Fears of maybe um, living single after a divorce. Fears of starting a new job. Fears of job loss. And fear of the road ahead for our loved ones who have diseases that are robbing us of their company, of their joy. Help us to know that amongst all of that, we don't need to be afraid, that we have the freedom in knowing that your love is so much more than what we can define. And that because of your great love for us, you 
will help us through all of those moments. That if we just continue to allow you to speak to our hearts, if we just continue to study, if we continue to lift up our voices before you, that we will hear your voice and you will lead us. Lead us to greener pastures. Lead us to the people, the person that you've destined us to be. We love you and we thank you for being our God. We thank you for your provision and your protection. And it is in the precious name of Jesus that we say thank you and amen. I hope you're enjoying this. I am. And I will see you, talk to you, (laughs) on Wednesday. Take care.